JJ, I have an idea. Okay. What if we just don't do a second season? What if we just quit the pod? Look, you know, I was always brought up to believe that there's two kinds of people, losers and quitters. And <laughs> do you want to be a quitter or do you want to be a loser? Because I am proud to be a loser. But if you want to be a quitter, we can be quitters. I mean, as the only person I know who uses loser as a term of endearment, obviously, I want to be a loser with you. So if we did quit, and I'm not saying we're going to quit, there might be a second season. I'm not saying there is, but I'm also not saying there isn't. And if there isn't, it's not because we quit. It's because we were fired. And if we were fired, I'm not saying it had to do with any mergers or acquisitions. Dude, why don't you like? Why don't you like my joke? I don't quit. I'm fired. I was making a joke about how Chess.com was going to fire us. Oh, that's a good segue. Your joke is good. I just didn't listen, and also my joke was good too, and you didn't listen. Okay, keep at keep adding. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different episode. If we don't get fired. Yeah. Are you obsessed with chess, but also kind of fun at parties? Do you keep your opening prep on your bedside table right next to your feelings journal? Welcome to the Chess Feels Podcast, the only chess podcast dedicated to the social and psychological aspects of this game we know and love. And hate. Tune in every week to join me, professional chess teacher and amateur feelings hopper, JJ Lang. And me, professional therapist and amateur checkmate finder, Julia Rios. As we dive into our shared love for the game and attempt to answer the most burning question for every chess obsessor. Why are we like this? Yeah. So we're talking about <laughs> quitting because I think maybe it would have been a month ago now, Levy Rosman, the internet's chess teacher, according to his own bio on Twitter, I would not take accountability for teaching the internet anything, let alone chess. But and the internet's chess teacher had announced that he's quitting, which means quitting rated over the board tournament chess. So did he specify that? Like, do we know that for sure? Because I feel like when Levy first announced that, there was some confusion. What does this even mean to say I'm quitting chess? That is a great question. I thought it meant... I thought that because the announcement was about the stress that came with preparation, that it had right. to do with tournament chess and not like like bullshit online chess. And like, that he was going to focus on like being a streamer and entertainer, which I assume means more chess. Right. And someone could do that. Someone could take the time to focus more on the entertainment and the streaming part of it without saying, I quit for good. I mean, it did kind of sound like it it didn't necessarily sound like he was saying, oh, I'm taking a break. Mm-hmm. It sounded like he said, I'm retiring. I'm Quite not. literally, like here's a SpawnCon tweet that says, I may have retired from chess, but I have not retired from eating delicious food. I am excited to announce my partnership with HelloFresh. You can now use code POGGOTHAM July 16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. Hashtag ad. So, Wait, is that real? I am not making this up. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, that is fucking hilarious. Okay, okay that's here it is. <laughs> um, actually, maybe this is a slightly better receipt, but I am retiring from all competitive chess events. My okay. preparation is outmatched. My calculation skills are too flawed. And most importantly, my anxiety is beyond repair. I physically and emotionally cannot do it anymore. I will stick to what I do best, bringing chess to you all. So, do you think any of that's relevant to a chess and psychology podcast? 
<laughs> I'm not sure, but if we go through it one by one, maybe we can dig out some substance there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me go slower. So, okay. <laughs> I may have retired from chess, but I have not retired from eating delicious food. Oh, wait, shit. No, that's the wrong one. Sorry. Um, I am retiring from all competitive chess events. Okay. Yeah. So we can safely assume that he means I'm not going to play any more rated over the board chess or chess tournaments. Correct. Okay. Got it. That's what I take it. And I take it that he's saying like quitting from chess here doesn't mean chess is no longer a part of my life, but competitive chess and trying to improve my rating over the board through competitive chess is no longer a part of my life. And one thing that's interesting actually is those two things can be very different, right? You can quit trying to improve at chess or improve your rating at chess without quitting playing competitive chess. So it sounds like part of what he's saying is, yeah, the thought of what it would take to improve is just not worth it. And if I'm not improving, then doing it is not worth it. Yeah. Are those infallible assumptions or are they possibly faulty assumptions? Like most assumptions, they're infallible. (laughs) I just knew I was going to love the way that the sentence ended. Um, I do Mm -hmm. think that there's actually room to push back on every single one of those statements. Okay. To say that he feels totally out match let me rank somewhere in the spectrum of where people's chess skill or chess ratings are um Mm -hmm. is what he's really trying to say is like i'm not happy with where i fall in that spectrum but what does it mean to be outmatched i mean he's playing at his level there's going to be good matches and tough matches right wrong disagree on that one i think i think what he's saying is that what is expected to be the expected amount of preparation whether that means general training or specific like opening preparation targeted for opponents mm-hmm. has changed a lot from even a few years ago till now to the point okay. where stay even staying at his level would require a massive upgrade in preparation in a way that it wouldn't have a couple years ago. I understand. So what he's really saying is I don't want to play at a lower level or or drop in my ranking. I'd rather stop playing now. Right. Or if my goal is to get the ranking to go up and I'd have to actually elevate my level just to stay plateauing, right. um, that's unappealing. And, and I could be putting my time and my energy into this other thing I love, which is the online chess and the content creation and the entertainment and yes. the streaming. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. makes perfect sense to me. Actually. So, so what I really liked about this announcement and what strikes me as like super vulnerable and what I really didn't like about some responses, even some that seemed well-meaning where like even they were framing it as a sort of quitting or as a sort of like they're giving up or like they just didn't have the right, you know, there's like that whole toxic culture of like, well, if you just have the right mindset, you can do anything. And it's just like, they're so hard on themselves, even though they're so good or like they don't realize how good they could be if they just reoriented their attitude. And what I'm taking from this is like, no, like this seems like a very sober, reflective take. I agree. That um, the amount of work it would take to get the preparation up to a level that's always rising, the calculation up to a level where it would have to be, and overcome the anxiety that he experiences going for it, those are huge costs. And it's no longer worth those costs because there's also something else he's very good at that he loves. Yes, totally, totally agree. And that is so close. That is almost what he said that I even think it's safe to infer that that is potentially or even probably what he meant. But I just want to point out that that's actually not exactly what he said. Yeah, yeah. He said, my anxiety is beyond repair. Mm. To me, that almost insinuates, like, if this was something I could overcome, Mm. I might still want to be engaged. I I think the parts that you added, JJ, is what really has me sold. Like, yes, this is such a well thought out and 
easy to understand and easy to sympathize with. And I totally agree with this take. And the only little bits of pushback I have are the parts where it doesn't seem quite as sober of an announcement where it actually does seem kind of emotionally laden. Nice. Where he says, I'm outranked. My yeah. prep is not good enough and my anxiety is beyond repair. Some of those absolutist statements actually mm-hmm. do seem a little bit distorted to me. Catastrophic. Yeah. Yeah. There is some of that catastrophic thinking. Um, and it really could be driven more by the anxiety response or the emotionality underneath those statements than the actual reality. And that is the only place where like, if I was a friend or a (laughs) therapist, I would very gently say, let's just assess like what really is the meaning behind those statements. If it's what you've just said, brilliant. Let's put the chessboard down and we can feel really confident in that decision to walk away. But if you think there is some room with reflection and even just some distance yeah. Levy Levy is someone who a few months out, some of that emotionality kind of dissipates a little bit and he's able to reflect in a different way. You might say, actually, I am able to kind of come back into the sport and he will always have the ability and the right to do that. But I just wonder how ardently he'll agree with those facts kind of as they're written mm-hmm. for years from now. They might feel very different once the sting of those really competitive events that didn't go well for him sort of starts to ease up a little bit. Absolutely. The sting plus not having the anxiety of, and how am I ever going to fix this to then kind of feel refreshed possibly. Yeah. And also nice segue for talking about emotional reactions to things not going well. Did you catch the recent in, um, infamous Hans Niemann interviews? <laughs> Absolutely incredible. This is one where he's not talking about quitting chess. Some of the tweets made it sound like he was like half seriously or half jokingly talking about quitting life, but it sounded like more he was just talking about jumping into the ocean, not necessarily Mm -hmm. and drowning, but just like wanting to go into the ocean. And it Um, did sound like he had certainly in the tournament almost given up. He's like, I'm just trying to get through the day. (laughs) I mean, the only things I would push back there were the words almost and trying. I don't think he (laughs) I don't think there is any doubt that he had given up like his explanation for why he was moving as fast as possible was not to psych out his opponent, but to get back to the hotel room to order more Uber Eats. Yeah, his exact words were, I just want it to be over. (laughs) And I think he honestly garnered so much respect. I know that there was a lot of criticism around that as well, Mm -hmm. but those people don't move as closely in my circles. So on my Twitter timeline, a lot of people were like, yes, finally, someone's just being honest. Like he looks miserable. He's playing miserably. And in the interview... He's like, I'm having a bad time and I want it to be over. Finally, someone is saying how I actually personally feel when I play over the word chess. I think everyone who's been in that experience could totally empathize and was like, yes, I have felt that way playing too, where I just want it to be over. Now imagine that this is a televised event or this is publicized and everyone is watching you. I mean, how much that would compound the misery. Or it's also your potential professional career, your your 18, 19 and whether you end up doing something else with your life or making a living off of this is going to be shaped in large part by your performance in the next couple of years. Yeah, totally. I know. Imagine the pressure. I'd rather not. (laughs) I know. But I think there was actually a very positive response to that of leave him alone. He's a teenager. He's having a bad time. He does not need to be the pinnacle of professionalism in the way that you have defined that right now. And I think Magnus is also opening those doors for these more vulnerable, honest interviews where it's not Mm. this buttoned up, very scripted response, everything we expect to hear. Oh, you mean the chess.com 
an announcement? <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> no, not that one. That looked like he was literally being held hostage. <laughs> <laughs> he is, um, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Stay tuned, folks. Free Magnus. <laughs> Use code Free Magnus for some percentage off lessons with me. JJ, we're going to make Free Magnus t-shirts. Yeah. Write that down. I'm writing it down. Okay. But yeah, and then I would say even since Levy made that public announcement, I feel like in almost the cultural zeitgeist around the chess sphere, I have seen more people talking about quitting chess. Yes. And I think they're joking or maybe maybe joking is not the right word. There is an amount of seriousness to it. <laughs> I think I mean I think that the the joke aspect comes from people knowing that like they're in the throes of addiction or at least obsession too deep to quit yeah. but i think at the very least it's maybe opened up this idea of you know shit if like this person can play at a level this international master level that i could never dream of if this person could have results that quite frankly are better than results i could ever dream of and maybe even like levy didn't become an i am until 2018 i believe he had just become an i am so it's not like this is somebody who has been plateauing since he was like a child or something either this person has still like improved a lot more in his chest over the past five years than i have and is talking about this, I think it at least opens the door to think like, should I be hanging it up too? Or or put differently, different framing gives me the permission to think about, do I want to do this too? Do I feel that way too? Yeah. And I think I think you and I will both agree that that totally depends on what your goal of playing rated over the board competitive chess even is. If your goal is to become an IM, mm -hmm. most people should hang it up and should not play anymore. Aspiring grandmaster. Yeah. And that doesn't mean no one could do it, but I think you can't, but like you, the <laughs> listener, cannot. <laughs> yes. If you're listening to this, you cannot. <laughs> and also, I cannot. And also, I cannot. But if your goal is to play within your potential, maybe get mm -hmm. a little bit better, enjoy the experience. I mean, there's so much that we get out of over the board chess beyond becoming an IM. Otherwise, um, why would anyone be doing it? Why would anyone be doing it? But that's also why I wanted to bring up our friend Mr. Neiman's reactions too, because yeah. if Levy's comments were a bit hyperbolic or catastrophic or just rigid in this idea of I'll never get there, Hans's were that on a thousand times over. But never was Hans even saying in those interviews, I am going to quit chess. I did see people on Twitter saying, you know, maybe he should quit in order to like make a decent living off of being a pro player. The leap he would need to make would still be pretty astronomical and he might be better off going to college and deciding if he wants to come back later. But almost like trying to put on him this question of maybe he should quit if he feels this way. But what I really liked is he's just saying, I feel this way, not and therefore I should quit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and yeah. we know that emotions do not always reflect reality. They are temporary. There's all these reasons that we can say we should not be conflating that emotional reaction to these permanent decisions. So I'm glad that he did that as well. And I've had conversations with some students at like a slightly lower level than Hans who like... Slightly. Slightly. <laughs> and some of them are even slightly older than Hans too, slightly. Sometimes they'll say, man, I played a really poor game of chess or worse, made some absolute boneheaded move and... I'm annoyed my, with myself not for making the move. I'm annoyed with myself for being so upset over it. Like, why do I care so much about this performance or about these mistakes? It is ultimately such a game. Shouldn't I know better? And my response there is usually something like, honestly, I'd be more worried for you if you could play deeply below your level or make such an uncharacteristic mistake and not care. That would maybe suggest that <laughs> you're not really yeah. in it. So, like, so seeing somebody like Hans have these reactions, and it's funny when 
people are like, oh, well, if you're not living up to your potential, if you're not getting the results you want, maybe you should think about quitting. It's just like, no, like the fact that he is on the brink of existential crisis over this, to me, suggests he's exactly where he should be. Yeah, that he cares. Yeah. 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 I think that we as a culture, it's not only are we too results oriented, but I don't think we're suffering oriented enough. I think that if you find something that can torture your soul so deeply, that is something that has the potential to motivate you so much. And if you can sit through that and move through that, that's such an incredible part of life if it doesn't you know, completely destroy you. And it might. So anybody who wants to stay in it, mad respect, get a therapist. <laughs> That's kind of beautiful, JJ. (laughs) That's very poetic. And I think that there really is something to that. If anything in your life can make you feel something that deeply, yeah, wouldn't you potentially want to chase that feeling, even if it's not always 100% euphoria and positive? I don't know. I mean, maybe that is a personal difference. And that's something everyone can think about for themselves. But I know that I would, and I know that I do. <laughs> and I would rather live a life where I feel kind of lit up with all the highs and the lows yeah. than be sort of drifting through the monotony of every day and trying to avoid any unpleasant or negative feelings and never getting to feel those highs. Exactly. And especially if you're seeing that those feelings aren't always tied just to the results, but the experience of playing is causing me not like suffering, but like terrible anxiety and whatnot and interfering with the career and stuff that fills me with more pleasure. That's great. Maybe this isn't for you, but if you're just having some days that really suck and are really painful for you, but it's not like I can't live like this, I don't want this, then that might not be a conversation about quitting. That just might be a conversation of like, you know, if you want to take some time off, great. If you want to like recalibrate, great. But I'm so happy for you that you found something that makes you feel this way, (laughs) even if it feels so horrible right now. Yeah. But I think that you've led us to the point that I really want to make is I feel like we've almost created this false dichotomy. Nice. Where we're saying, great, if the competitive stuff doesn't feel good, like I quit and I'm only going to do the online stuff or the casual stuff or the entertainment parts of chess. But I'm just going to argue like at the end of the day, it really is all chess. Levy's uh-huh. still going to be playing chess, learning chess, teaching chess. Yeah. So has he quit? <laughs> nice. Yeah. I find that hard to swallow. I, I don't really feel that way. And some people might have a really strong reaction to the fact that he said, I retire from mm-hmm. competitive rated over the board chess, but I, I don't see him as someone who has quit the quit the sport, if you will, if we can call it that. I would say that maybe he's quit the sport, but he hasn't quit the culture. He hasn't quit the community. But I think this is actually a disagreement that we're having. Okay. So I'm not at Levy's level, but what I think that he's saying is that it feels like at his level, preparing for tournaments and going through the grueling pace of playing tournaments where it might be each game lasts four to six hours. You have nine of them over five days. You know a lot of your opponents or who they're going to be in advance and you put many hours of targeted preparation in for each one. And the amount of work that you're doing might feel like playing a tournament is itself going to be a full-time job in the weeks leading up to it. Okay, I follow. Yeah. Well, and then there's this interesting question where even at that level, why are you saying I quit playing rather than I quit putting that work in and my FIDE is going to drop a hundred, maybe a couple hundred points because I'm going to like show up and wing it. But I think maybe mm. the, the the point there is that with the preparation stuff is that it's getting to a point where the quality of preparation, even at the sub I am level, but still like an strong open titled chess game 
-hmm. It's to the point where if you're like showing up without putting substantial work into your openings and your repertoire and targeted prep into your opponents, they're just going to have so many things tailored for you that you're pretty crushed by move 15 or 20 pretty much every game you play. And it's just not fun anymore. So the thought is, so like for them, there isn't really this option of, I'll just stop chasing rating or let there be a little bit of a drop off, but still have a lot of fun playing chess. It's like I either put all of this work in in order to just keep being vaguely competitive or I can't I literally can't play. Um, yeah. at anywhere close to this level. But that's okay. something that is not yeah. a problem, I think. And that's what I was trying to get to earlier, because that's something that's okay. not a problem that I think that your uh, casual chess players have. Like if I stop studying openings and whatnot altogether, and I stop putting, well, if I stop studying chess altogether, my rating would have to drop significantly over the coming events. But I don't think that, I don't think that like I am winning games against people my level because the amount of specifically tailored work I do to them or even to my specific openings or style or whatnot is so good. I don't think that's what's keeping me buoyed around 2100. But that could very much be enough to drop a 2400 down to a 2200 at this level, which is horrifying and disgusting. Um, This whole conversation is does feel it does feel sort of depressing oh yeah <laughs> they're like you have to put in so much work i mean i know that you're trying to explain jj that at your level what that amount of work looks like is very different than what levy is talking about at this titled level where it is a full-time job yeah okay, so maybe that's not quite what we're talking about but it really is sort of like if you're not swimming against the tide you are going to backslide and i can imagine that people feel the pressure of that and might eventually yeah. say it's not fun anymore Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, I guess I'm wondering how much I even think that how far I think you'll backslide. But on the other hand, yeah, I totally agree that it's not fun anymore. But in the same time, I don't think that that's a very chess specific thing. Like, I think this is something that will come up in everything from like other sports to even something like mental health, where I mean, I know tons of people who will like make kind of like morbid jokes of I thought that overcoming depression was really hard and getting to a point where I'm not clinically depressed right now or like where I've X month sober off of whatever addiction or whatnot was hard. But then like realizing the amount of work that I still have to do every day to just stay afloat. And if I really let go of that, things can, it's still really hard to do all of that. And that's all the stuff I still have to do despite years of getting to this point where I'm so far removed from my low, there's still so much work that has to go into it. And that kind of feels like life, you know, like you can be. And so the thought here is like, yeah, you know, like no matter how good you were at tactics at your peak, no matter how much you knew about openings at your peak, whatever, if you stop working on that and you stop really thinking about that and you start coasting, you're going to backslide or like you can't just use the fact that you've overcome that plateau in the past as an excuse to keep up at that level forever without continually putting the work in. And that kind of sucks, but maybe there's also something kind of nice about it because the flip side of that is it doesn't matter how much of a prodigy you were who got to that high level for a youth when you were like 10 years old. If you've stopped putting the work in, you're going to backslide. And if somebody didn't have that when they were 10 and they keep putting the work in, they can approach it. And there's a sense in which the fact that you do have to keep swimming against the current or something is really depressing on one hand, but also kind of like puts things a little bit more in control, in your control, on the other hand. Mm, Okay. But I will also say that I think there is something particular about chess that sort of might heighten that reaction. And this might sound annoying because we talk about it so much. There's something to the rating. Yes. You don't have a mental health rating or even think about another sport or a hobby. You know, 
you play soccer competitively, you play in college. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. you get older, if you don't work out, if you don't keep practicing, you you are mm. going to get worse. But guess what? Everyone else your age is getting a little worse too. And yeah, you're yeah. Playing in a lower league, but you don't have a soccer rating that you carry around, right? Or if you're a professional, then you know there's equivalents of that where you can see that you're playing in a lower league, or you can see that your salary is diminishing. But if you're an amateur. It just means that maybe you're playing with your friends and then the quality of your peer group that you're playing with is deteriorating over time, but you're not being reminded that you used to be able to beat 2000s and now you're getting beat by 1600s. Yeah, that's a really nice point. And in chess, even the amateurs have a rating. And I I think people do respond to that. I think it's really hard not to. So I, I do think for some people, this might be a conversation that they really want to have with themselves or with friends or with a chess coach, which is to say, what are my goals for chess? Yeah. And that might not even be to raise my rating or even keep my same rating. It might be what kind of things do I want to learn? How do I want to enjoy this? What do I want to play with? What do I want my community to look like? I think people need to start expanding the breadth of what their chess goals look like so that it goes beyond just, I want my rating to be X, Y, Z. I completely agree. Otherwise, I don't know. It does give me kind of like a little dark cloud feeling. No, I'm totally on board with that. Because I think for me, like the relationship I have to my rating right now, which I mean, has taken a long time to get here and changes a lot is, yeah, or at least when I think about if I stop working hard my rating will go down. Or if I don't work as hard as I possibly can, my rating won't go up nearly as much. My reaction to that is kind of like, that's fine. I'm not always going to be at a point where I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can for this thing. And that is actually fine. I do not want to take all of the time and resources that I have that could possibly be dedicated to this and dedicate them to this. I don't even want to take all of this time that I have throughout the day and do that when I might enjoy cooking more or just like goofing around more. But to kind of be like, instead of feeling bad for not doing these things, to kind of be like, I am just actively making a choice that my rating isn't going to be as high as it could possibly be. And so if my goal for chess right now is pump up that rating as much as possible, then I can reprioritize. And to add to add one thing to that, I think one of the problems is other sports, you know, there's a huge infrastructure for like pickup or recreational leagues and whatnot. Whereas chess is a bit different than that, where it's like there isn't a non-rated, non-competitive 90 plus 30 the more quote unquote casual stuff often ends up changing the shape of the game itself a lot too. That like if you want to play a casual game, it becomes like a 10-0 or a 10-5 right. online. Like you're not finding 90-30s against other incredibly strong players just in the random pool. So it's not just about like the competition. It's that if you wanna, if you want to change your relationship to chess, but you're reflecting on it and you're like, I really like these slow, intense four-hour games. This is starting to change a little bit with more like online leagues trying to pop up. But I do not know what the answer is for if you want to meet up with another person and play a very serious, quiet, slow game in which no one talks for four hours. There is not a whole lot of infrastructure in chess for you to have that without having rated play. Yeah. And so if I really wanted like a competitive game of basketball, I could join a recreational league. And if I really wanted a competitive game of chess, I'm already being steered towards either blitz or rated play in a way. And whereas like, that's what feels really different. But if my goal for chess is like, I still want to be competitive in the tournaments I play. I still want to be learning but I don't have any major things on the horizon. I don't plan on traveling a ton. When I do, I want it to be a bit fun. And I want to keep doing things with my chess that make chess fun for me. 
and make it interesting and feel like some sort of growth is possible. It might not be the kind of growth that is going to be measured by rating because that's going to require so much time, money, and energy that I don't feel like dedicating to chess right now. And to intentionally choose that is totally okay. And I do think that an issue with like the people being like, well, you know, if so-and-so is going to quit, maybe I should too. Or if so-and-so is not improving or is going to be this upset, maybe they should quit. Is no, like there's a lot of gray area in between quitting yeah. and just saying like, what are, what, what are you getting from this? Because the answer could be a hell of a lot. And if you say it like that, I don't think it's depressing to say that if you don't continue to work your ass off, you're not even going to plateau in chess at a certain level. That's not depressing. It just means that if you want to keep playing chess and you don't want to work your ass off, you should think about why you want to keep playing chess and what your goals are. <laughs> because it's not going to be your rating keeps going up because you've been playing a long time. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to say was almost instead of creating this dichotomy where it's either I'm all in and I'm going to work so hard and fight for that rating or I quit. Where can we find that rich diversity of what we can be getting out of chess? Because there is so much. And I think that your ability, JJ, what you've just done to do that self-reflection and to do that contextualization of here is why my rating is what it is. Here's why it might be what it becomes. And I'm okay with it for these reasons. And here's all the reasons that I'm staying in the game no matter what. I'm not 100% convinced that all or even most or even a lot of people are doing that. So that was kind of why I made the point I made was that might actually really help people quite substantially. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you completely. I think a lot of the issue kind of comes from thinking that like the only reason to play is because you're fixated on improvement and your definition of improvement is narrow and contained by this rating. Yes. (laughs) Which is not to say that Levy was doing that or that anyone who steps away from the game is doing that. But I... I do see some more of that mentality, I think, Mm -hmm. kind of in the cultural space right now. And I think it's a good time for people to maybe have that conversation with themselves the way you just sort of walked us through for yourself. So I love that example, JJ. Yeah, especially because, you know, the pandemic boom, these would be people who've been playing for a little over two years now. Some of them have gotten quite good, but it also might be around that length of time, whether you've gotten to some of those levels where a lot of people start to plateau because getting to that next step almost requires like a kind of like quantum leap or like paradigm shift in how you think about chess where like you've gotten about as good as you can playing like this, but now you need a new orientation to the game to improve where that plateau for people who started as a 400 and got up to 1400 in a year and a half and then have stayed at 1400 for eight months. I understand you look at that graph and it makes you want to quit. And if you were really enjoying improving at chess and seeing that number go up and that's all you care about, then yeah, you know, you either have to put an exponential amount of work in. And that might feel like a true overhaul and not just sort of like the natural growth that you experience when you first start learning. Yeah, yeah. And it might take a long time to even start reaping results from that because it's going to require such a massive reorientation that if anything, your rating goes down as you're trying to internalize all this stuff. Oh, good point. I mean, this happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because now like, you know, instead of kind of playing your usual game and you have 20% of your energy kind of working on the back burner, checking for basic tactics, you're using 100% of your energy trying to integrate these new thoughts into your play and then you miss basic tactics. Yeah. Or even when you're learning a new opening. No one's ever done that. (laughs) But if anyone out there is interested in learning a new opening, let us quickly tell you about our sponsors, Chess 
Chessable is a great place to learn about new openings. Tired of openings you've played for days or even weeks on end? You might want to buy a new course on Chessable. Here, experienced grandmasters will be able to sell you 1,000s of lines that nobody can remember. <laughs> However, also, these courses are often sick as hell, full with really great intel and have not only the certain suites, but the quick starter chapters often highlight critical lines in a way that make it way more digestible than trying to go through the line course course can be. And also, I personally think the move trainer technology is better equipped for studying the end game and tactics than it is for openings anyway. So that's the sort of shit you should be buying. Back to our program. What else would we even say about this? What else would we even say? Should we even have a season two? Uh, mm-hmm. Lee, I feel like our season one was so good. We'll never be able to top that. There's a top that joke in there. I literally, in my head, was like, I wonder what top joke JJ will make next. Well, if you had to give our season one a rating, what mm-hmm. rating would you give it? What's its rating? 29.50. Julia, I meant like one to five stars, like like for podcasts on a star rating. <laughs> no, no, we have to do it on the Julia Rios one to four scale. Let's okay. explain this to people again. Okay. One is I would not. And I can't see how anybody would. Two is I would not, but I can see how somebody would. Three is I would, but I can see how someone would not. Four is I would, and I cannot see how anyone wouldn't. Our podcast is obviously a three. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very good podcast. It's not for everybody, but it is for the 2950s. So wait, so we cranked out a solid three in our first season. And yes. you don't want to do a second season. Why? Right. I don't know if we could ever make it to a four. Uh, also, I want to have a philosophical debate with you, my resident philosopher. Would our podcast want to be a four? Do we want to appeal to the masses? Well, that's what I was going to ask. First of all, do we want to be a four? I mean, the other thing, the other way to become a four, we could appeal to the masses or we could educate the masses if we could improve their tastes and sensibilities. We could become a four by getting rid of all the people who wouldn't and enlightening them and turning them into people who would without changing ourselves. Getting rid of them. That sounded ominous. That's a threat. We could appeal to the masses or we could illuminate the masses and then everyone would, but not because we've changed, but because we've fixed them. Because we've changed them. Yes. Yes, For the better. Exactly. So that kind of like direction of fit is an interesting question. But what I was going to ask is even if <laughs> is the thought that if we're not going to change ourselves or change our listeners to become a four, mm-hmm. does that mean that there's just no point in continuing to right. do the podcast? I know. That's what I'm kind of thinking about. If we'll never be a perfect four, mm-hmm. is it time to just hang up our cleats? I think so. I mean... At least I might hang out my podcast cleats and go back to like playing more competitive chess where I can at least like see more improvement with less work. (laughs) As always, thank you for letting us take you into this deep, dark forest. Where two plus two equals five and the path leading out is only wide enough for listeners like you. Intro and outro music provided by JPEG Mafia. We would be truly touched if you subscribe and leave us a glowing review. And tell all of your friends. Yeah, all of them. And every week, we'll be gifting one lucky subscriber who leaves a five-star review, a lifetime premium diamond membership to leechess.org. Unlocking all of their features. Even that? Especially that. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at ChessFuelsPod. Oh, and if you didn't like what you heard, do not hesitate to message any feedback. No matter how critical or scathing. Directly to Mr. Dodgy, our social media manager, even though he doesn't know it. 
<laughs> a chest problem. One. Yeah. <laughs>